all things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Who that? Who that? Who that? Who that? Who that? Say they what is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome into another off-season episode of the Houdat Discussion. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Golotta. You could follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Golotta. And then also, you could follow the podcast on Twitter, at the Houdat Dis. And it's the Monday after the Super Bowl. The Bucks are the Super Bowl champions, definitely to the Saints' dismay. And Again, and obviously the Bucks defeated the Saints in the divisional round, went on to defeat the Packers in the championship round, and then finished off with an amazing game. You know, hats off to them for winning that one against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs as their defense played outstanding. Tom Brady and that offense was humming, and we're not going to talk about them in this episode. We will we'll be talking about a former Buccaneer in this episode with Jameis Winston. There was some more news about him. And then also we're going to continue our 2020 recap here, position recap, moving over to the defensive line, which should be very, very interesting. We'll get into the Trey Hendrickson situation, if the Saints will bring him back, if they won't. Uh, we'll get into, uh, you know, if Cameron Jordan is going to kind of a bounce back year next year, or is this kind of one year blip going to turn into a regression, a career regression for Jordan as he is entering kind of his veteran stage? I mean, he's definitely leaving his prime. Maybe he has one or two years more left in his prime, but I, I'd say he's definitely, I would say on the way down than on the way up, obviously. I think that's kind of how we can characterize him. Talk about Marcus Davenport, his up-and-down season. Carl Granderson kind of bursted onto the scene a little bit this season, so that was obviously good. Then we'll talk about the interior with Onyemata, uh, who played outstanding this year after his uh, long-term contract extension. And then you, know, you look at guys that look like they're on their way out, like Sheldon Rankins, who, I mean, especially how good David Onyemata played, I'd be very surprised if you'd see Rankins back in the black and gold next season, but we'll get into all of that here later in the episode. But I do want to start off with some Jameis Winston news here in our news segment. And this report came before the Super Bowl. It was Ian Rappaport. He was reporting live from the Super Bowl, and basically he was just rattling off some quarterback news, talking about uh, Carson Wentz, who it seems like the Eagles are going to end up training him, the Texans wanting to keep Deshaun Watson, and also the Cowboys, who they're going to tag Dak Prescott if they can't get a long-term deal done. And then they got to the Saints, where they talked about Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill being the future of this 2021 Saints team at quarterback. It's going to be either one of them. And Jameis Winston is in the driver's seat, according to Rappaport, to start the season with the Saints in 2021, while Taysom Hill is also an option. But Jameis Winston's in the driver's seat, which I thought was really interesting, because he's obviously not under contract for 2021 yet. And there's been a lot of discussion here among Saints fans of what that contract's going to be. And again, I, I just think it's really, really interesting. And obviously the Saints love Winston and he's in their plans. He must be. But to what extent? And that's something I do want to talk about today is where would the Saints go with a contract extension for Jameis Winston? What are some other teams that can possibly offer Jameis Winston? How this Carson Wentz situation really does affect Jameis Winston and some of his potential suitors. And then ultimately, I want to get into the conversation about who needs each other more. 
does Jameis Winston need the Saints more or do the Saints need Jameis Winston more? And I think that's just a fascinating conversation. I definitely want to hear your guys' opinion on it because, again, the Saints obviously have that hole at quarterback and Winston. I mean, the Saints have been just gushing all over him. They say he's in the driver's seat to start the 2021 season and all that stuff. Or is Jameis Winston needing the Saints because he's at just such a crossroads in his career that a bad year, I think, in 2021 for Winston, I, I think puts him into that backup role forever. And again, I feel like this is going to be so, so important for him. You just look around the league, look at a guy like Cam Newton. I mean, I'd be surprised if he starts in 2021 just because he just had a poor year with the Patriots in his make or break year. And now Winston's kind of at that scenario in his career. And again, it's going to be really important for him to have a huge year in 2021 and, you know, kind of solidify himself as a franchise guy so he can get paid in 2022 or maybe sent a two-year deal and goes off and then goes into the 2023 offseason, gets a big contract. You guys get what I'm saying here. It's just such an important part of his career. And honestly, if I were him, I wouldn't sign a long-term deal right now because I don't think that a lot of teams feel like they're going to pay him at his full potential. And if you're him, you're like, I could definitely reach my full potential with a team like the Saints or maybe a team like the Colts, who I think is a great suitor for him. But they're also in on Carson Wentz. And, you know, with Frank Reich, who was Carson Wentz offensive coordinator with the Eagles, that I think is a really fascinating scenario, too, to see if maybe Wentz would go with them. And then that kind of leaves Winston with really only the Saints as a prime playoff suitor. And he said he wants to play for a playoff team. And I, I think another team would be the Bears. But and if I'm Winston, I'm not going to the Bears. I mean, I've said this multiple times. Like, that is where quarterbacks go to die. Look at Nick Foles, another guy, goes, you know, pivotal part of his career, ends up signing a contract with the Jaguars, that doesn't work out, then goes to the Bears, starts there for a few games, that doesn't work out, and now he's in those Carson Wentz conversations that he may be traded back to the Eagles to be the backup quarterback to Jalen Hurts. Like, I mean, all this stuff, I mean, the pivotal part of these guys' career, that's why you want to get in a good situation. You saw with Teddy Bridgewater, he got himself in a good situation with the Saints, and he parlayed that to a three-year, $63 million deal, which was a solid one. And even then, he may have to find a new home here this offseason because it seems like the Panthers want to go in a different direction. So, again, like, these situations in a quarterback's career, it's really kind of their career-altering situations, and I think Winston is in one of them, and I think you saw it last year as well with Winston. He definitely signed the Saints for a lot less. I mean, maybe, like, supposedly the Jaguars may have had um, an opening for him to start, but again, who wants to start with the Jaguars? And that was obviously a good situation for Winston because that's a situation you're set up to fail, and to be honest with you, especially with the Bears, they're not going to have Jimmy Graham. They're not going to have a guy like Allen Robinson, it looks like, because he's going to leave in free agency. So that's two of your biggest weapons you're not going to have. You will get uh, Tariq Cohen back, excuse me, there from injury. But still, David Montgomery, you mean a solid running back, but definitely not a star running back like Alvin Kamara. They don't have anyone like Michael Thomas. And you can argue they have no one like Emmanuel Sanders. So again, I feel like going into this decision with Winston, I mean, I would go to the Saints even if they were offering me less money. And again, I think that just has to do with your career progression. And with the Saints, if you go out, win 11 games, you're going to get yourself a big contract. And, you know, you show out and play well and maybe win a playoff game or two. I think that's enough for the Saints to say, okay, he's our guy. And show that potential and maybe, you know, get to a point where he's partly reaching it. And he's really helping the Saints win games in the playoffs, which would be huge, huge for him and this team. But you go to the Bears. I know they have a good defense, but that offense is just not good. And that offense, it's not even just the quarterbacks. I think it's the whole situation's bad. And if he goes in there and he has one bad year, his, you know, 
room for error is very small with Winston. And I see him going to the Bears. I, I see one bad season, and then he's going to be a backup for a long time. I think that's just kind of the situation he's in. And that's why if I were him, I think that he needs the Saints more unless a team like the Colts were available and a team like the Colts wanted him because the Colts are a good team with a good scenario. They got Michael Pittman, a good receiver, a young receiver, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Zach Paschal. They have a really solid young core. They got Marlon Mack running the football, a great offensive line, a great defense led by Darius Leonard and those guys. And they're definitely a playoff team too. And I could see him going there and having a lot of success. And then he gets a long-term deal from them. I can see that. I could see maybe the Patriots, maybe and I think those are the teams that if you're Winston, like, okay, I, I can win with those. And if we get a good contract from them and a better contract than the Saints, we're going to go. You know, at that point, we're going to go with the Colts. We're going to go with the Patriots if you're going to pay me a lot of money either for one year or multiple. Because, again, I feel like those teams, I think they could pay Winston more than the Saints. It's the matter of will they and will they want Winston? Will they want another guy? The Colts, it seems like they want Carson Wentz. At this point, I feel like I'd rather have Winston than Wentz, but... Again, I feel like there kind of are, especially coming off of Winston's 2019 season, in similar situations. Winston just had a roller coaster 2019 season, throws the 30 picks. Winston just has an awful 2020 season, and he needs you know a do-over. Maybe he needs to be benched for a year and try to just kind of learn the game kind of like Winston did this year from Breeze and Sean Payton. I think that's really interesting. And again, there are so many openings, like, again, but... Do I see like a team like the 49ers? Another team I think Winston would definitely, like if there were comparable offers, I think he'd take the 49ers, you know, if the Saints were less. I think if the Saints were like at 12 million and the Niners were at 15 million, I think he'd go to the Niners. But would they really pay Winston when they already have Garoppolo? I think they'd need someone that is a clear upgrade over Garoppolo. And at this point, I don't know if Winston is that. We don't know if he isn't. I mean, it's just kind of with Winston, he's a question mark. And I think teams will treat him that way, just like they did last offseason. And again, I know he signed with the Saints for only $1 million, and that was definitely a discount. You know, for sure, he would have definitely got more money elsewhere. But how much more money? Was this guy, was Winston really giving up $10 million to sit with the Saints? I just doubt it. And how will teams now figure out this year with Winston? Do they trust Sean Payton that he learned more from him? I mean, I just don't know. And at this point, how much more, let's say the Saints would offer an $11 million deal or something in that range, $12 million, would Winston, or would another team, A, offer more than that? And if they do, if, he, if they offer 15, 16, would Winston take that $16 million deal from the Bears? And let's say it's one to two years, or would he go with the Saints one to two year at $12 million deal? I could see him taking the Saints deal just because it's a much better situation. And he knows that this is a make or break season for him. And these next two seasons are make or break. And even if he has an extra year of security, look at Teddy Bridgewater. He has one bad year, and the the Panthers are ready to replace him. So that's just kind of where I'm sitting at with the Winston situation. In the driver's seat to start with the Saints means a lot. That means the Saints really think they're going to they're gonna keep him and retain him, and they are going to go to lengths to do that. But I just want to see how far, I think upwards of 15. But after you get over 15, I think you get into a situation where you know, at that point, how much are you overpaying someone, especially when you're paying Taysom Hill $16 million already, and you're going to pay Breeze, that dead cap number of like 12. So then you're getting to a point where that quarterback room is really pricey, really, really pricey. And I don't think the Saints would go out and have cap numbers of, let's say, 16, 16, and 12. I think that's just too much for him to kind of garner and this whole team to garner at this point. I think maybe a $12 million contract for Winston and spreading those cap hits 
over out. I think that's a possibility. But the Saints definitely feel like he's in their plans, which is something that to me is just really, really interesting. And, you know, you do look at Winston's, really his whole body of work, and you know he's not a 30 interception guy. Obviously, I think that was a lightning in a bottle, just bad situation. I think Arians was telling him to push it down the field. And and I do think the Bucks ended up doing dirty by Winston by basically forcing him to throw the ball down the field like every play and then not giving him more than one year. But when Tom Brady comes along, you really take that uh, opportunity. The Bucks did, and the Bucks have a Super Bowl ring because of it. And again, I feel like that's something that's really interesting. Another thing that was going around on Twitter was the whole thing that one year after Winston plays with the Bucks, they go to the Super Bowl with Tom Brady and how, like, is Winston actually good if Brady goes one year later to the Super Bowl? And it's a, it's a question that was definitely worth debating. And it's really interesting. I will say this. Obviously, the Bucks don't win the Super Bowl without Brady for sure because Brady also brings everyone with him. He brings the Leonard Fournettes. He brings the Antonio Browns. Uh, you know, he, he's able to, um, I, I, I think, force the Bucks' hand to draft an offensive lineman in the first round. I think he does that. And obviously having that veteran just kind of attitude that Brady brings to the locker room, especially around a Super Bowl and a playoff run, you know, that's an experience that Winston just doesn't have at this point. And again, I mean, I really do feel like up until the Super Bowl, I thought Brady played a really good game in the Super Bowl. I thought the Bucks played just an outstanding game in the Super Bowl. They had an amazing game plan. To sh- so shout out to all their coaches, Todd Bowles, uh, Byron Lefwich, uh, Bruce Arians. Like that was an amazing game plan that they had against the Chiefs and they executed really, really well and they dominated. And part of that was Brady. And again, he had a really good Super Bowl. So give it off to him and their whole defense. Give it off to their whole team. But you go to those games prior against the Saints and Packers. I don't think Brady played well. I think we could all say that. He threw three picks against the uh, Packers and then against the Saints. I don't think he played well. I think really the Saints lost that game because of their four turnovers in that game. And the argument I was making is if you put Jameis Winston on the team starting wildcard round with all the weapons that Brady had and he brought in with him, with Tristan Wirfs, with the upgraded uh, uh, secondary that they were playing at a better level and the better front seven that they were bringing in here for the Bucks, would Winston, I think, win games? Yes, I, I think he would have went to the Super Bowl. I mean, I don't know if he would have won it because, I mean, Brady had a really good Super Bowl. It was a vintage Brady game in that Super Bowl and they played really well. But up until that point, I think Winston gets them there. And I, I'll just flat out say that. I, I do think that. Now, up to that point, Bra- obviously Winston wouldn't have brought a guy like Antonio Brown in. He wouldn't have brought Leonard Fournette in. And who knows what the Bucks would have drafted if Winston was there and not Tom Brady, a quarterback that's basically stands still like a statue. And at least Winston, I know he's not known for being mobile, but he could at least move a little bit. I mean, Brady is just completely immobile and a statue. Winston could at least move around and is, and is elusive. So that obviously put a premium on the Bucks drafting offensive offensive linemen. And I, I feel like with that team, with Brady, I mean, he brings all those pieces with him. And Winston probably doesn't get those pieces if he ends up staying with the Bucks next year and or in 2020. You know, obviously, if he gets a contract extension, I don't think he brings those guys in. And I don't think they end up going to the Super Bowl. Also, Brady had some amazing games in the regular season that got them wins when they were getting things going. And that was obviously big to getting them to 11-5, and five, which put them in position to obviously go on that playoff run. So I think all those things are really important when looking at that. But again, I think if you put Winston on the team starting wildcard weekend, I think they end up in the Super Bowl. I don't know if they win it. Maybe they do because the defense played that good, but we don't know what Winston would have done in the Super Bowl. But I, I do think that up until that point, 
Winston, I mean, he could have thrown the three picks and still won the game. He could have, you know, just scored on short fields against the Saints and basically the Saints self-destructed in that game. I think we could all agree. And they were the reason they lost, not the Bucks' amazing play. Maybe you could talk about their defense making big plays, but I think it's more of just uncharacteristic play from the Saints more than the Bucks playing really well. And I, and, and I will take that to the bank here. Now, I don't know if the Saints would ever would have beat the Packers like the Bucks did or if they would have beat the Chiefs, but I do know that the Saints lost that Bucks game because of uncharacteristic play that I think wouldn't have happened the rest of the season. And if, if this 2020 Saints team played 100 times, I think games where three, four turnovers happens only happens once or twice. Just happens to be in the worst time, which is, seems like a theme for the Saints. So maybe they do need a new quarterback in there. And maybe that's just kind of the characterization of Breeze's career. Just the worst games happen, you know, especially the late in his late career. I mean, his worst two games happened to be of, of, of his last two uh years of his career were in the playoffs. So, you know, maybe that was starting to kind of come with Breeze. And, like, once it went to the playoffs, he obviously got to get the ball downfield, and Breeze just couldn't do that. So, again, kind of aside from that, I do think if you put Winston on that team wildcard weekend, as I say, I do think he makes it to the Super Bowl. Who knows what happened in that Super Bowl because Brady played outstanding. He deserved the MVP. He played well. But, uh, yeah, that's just kind of what it was here for Winston. He is in the driver's seat, according to Rappaport, for that 2021 Saints job. It's just interesting to see how far he'll go. Because, I mean, you know Winston's going to use this, all this leverage. Like, oh, you think I'm the starter. You think you have big interest in me. How far can I take this? How more? How, how much more can I milk this for how much money, how many years? Uh, it's really interesting because I want to see this contract, at least what the Saints offer, even if they end up not getting him. Because we don't really know how the Saints view Winston as, okay, yeah, we know Sean Payton's been gushing over him and Rappaport can say all this, but... How do they view him monetarily? I think that's something that's really interesting. Maybe he ends up getting that $20 million. Again, I, I just really don't see it, especially after his 2019 season, 2018 season. I mean, you look at Winston. I know those Tampa Bay teams weren't good, but he had one winning season throughout his first five years, and the rest of them were pretty poor. And I know he didn't throw 30 interceptions, but he's always had pretty high interceptions rates as well. And, again, that's something that has to be worrisome. I mean, looking at the QB ratings, he's only had two seasons over 90. Again, all those things are a little worrisome when you look at Winston. But I think, overall, I think he does deserve a shot at this Saints starting job just for how much money. And I I don't think he's a solidified starter with the Saints either. I I think they're going to give Taysom Hill at least a shot or a a puncher's chance to show maybe he improves a lot and then he'll get a chance. And maybe if he blows the Saints coaching staff out of the water, then he would get the job. But, I mean, maybe it's Winston's job to lose. But I don't think they're going to name him the starter if they would end up signing Winston. I mean, you're just looking at this contract. I mean, again, I I feel like $20 million would be an overpay for Winston. I truly do believe that. And I, I don't think the Saints would do that because I think in the back of Sean Payton's mind, he's like, I can bring Teddy Bridgewater in here and win 11 games. I just won five straight with him in 2019. Taysom Hill, I went 3-1. and one. Like, that's definitely in Sean Payton's mind. It definitely is. And it's just kind of where will he bring with that? Maybe he's like, oh, I feel like drafting a QB in a few years anyways, so I don't really need Winston. Like, I mean, maybe that's going through his mind, but I just don't see a world where the Saints just go out of their mind overpay for James Winston. I could see other teams doing that. I could see the Bears doing that. And at a certain point, how much overpaid would Winston have to be for the Bears to go out and get him compared to the Saints? Like if the Saints offered 12 to 15 million, would the Bears have to only go 17 million, 18 million, only 15 million? Maybe he wants to be the Bears QB for some reason. I don't know. Um, but that's just kind of the speculation where, we at, where we're at with Winston. It's really interesting, really fascinating conversation. And it's, it's not going to end here 
until really um, the this free agency period and we see where Winston signs. But again, I, I really feel like he's kind of worth in that ten to fifteen million dollar range. Um, maybe a little kind of maybe you go a little. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go more than fifteen million with Winston, and I think even fifteen's pushing it. To be quite honest with you. Um, just because the last time we saw him in a starting, you know, starting uniform, he was throwing 30 interceptions, and it's not like he's went out and had an amazing year to like offset that 30 interception season. Hasn't done that yet. That said, all the tools are there for him, and that's why I'd give him a chance to start on the one-year deal. And if he can do it, and if he can win you 11 games and show that he's grown, I think then you give him a long-term deal. That's kind of the natural progression. Not to give him a long-term deal now when he's really unproven. It's to give him a long-term deal after he proves himself. I think that would be fair. That would be the fair move. And I really think that that's the situation the Saints are going to end up going down there and not overpay. Like The Saints know, and I I don't think this changed at the quarterback position. I think they're going to set a limit for Winston, and they're not going to go over it. And they're going to let teams overpay in their minds for for a player, they've done it in the past, and they'll completely do it again, I think, in this situation. So that is what I'm thinking about Winston, the Saints quarterback job. Definitely want to hear what you guys think. Who do you think matters more to each other? Do you think that Winston needs the Saints more, or do you think the Saints need Jameis Winston? I want to hear what you guys think. Definitely tweet us at on Twitter, at the this at Andrew Gulotta. Definitely want to hear what you guys have to say about that. But we are going to now take a quick break when we get back. We're going to talk all about the Saints defensive line, Trey Hendrickson, Cameron Jordan, all of those guys, Marcus Davenport. We'll get into all of that. But first, we will take a quick break. You are listening to the Who Dat Discussion Podcast. Welcome back into the Who Dat Discussion. And now we're going to continue our recap here of the 2020 season, going onto the defense, flipping it over here to the defensive line. And we're just going to get right into it, kind of getting into how this group performed in 2020, where the hole's going to be in 2021, and how can they fill them. And I think this is just, I mean, a very fascinating group, as obviously the Saints did a good job in the defensive line. Over the last few years, they have done a good job, and it's it's good thing to know that Ryan Nielsen, who's been their defensive line coach over the last few years, will come back and coach the group in 2021 and also be the assistant head coach. So obviously he's moving up the ranks as he completely deserves it, because he, he's done so much for this Saints group here on the defensive line, and they've just gotten so much better. And then, you know, you even look at what they, what they did this year. Um, they were a really solid group, and overall, you look at run defense, look at um, pass rush, they were just a very uh, solid group from end to end. I mean, they were just very, very good, and we're just going to jump right into it here, looking at just going down the line here, starting off with Cameron Jordan, who came into the season as the Saints defensive end number one here, at seven and a half sacks, I, I thought he had a pretty good season. He was playing that point guard assister a lot of the time. He was obviously only seven and a half sacks, but he was still getting you know his pressures. I mean, you just look at it overall. Jordan did have sixty one pressures, so it's not like which led the team. So it's not like he had um, a bad season. I mean, it wasn't up to like his eighty pressure season where he was just outstanding. You know, every step of the way. No, it was a, definitely a down year, but it wasn't a bad year by any stretch of the imagination. He was still very very solid. It's great at stopping the run. Um, overall, his PFF grade was 84.6. So right there, 86.3 run defense grade. Pass rush was 75.3. Like, he had a very, very solid season. And yes, I mean, there were some areas in the playoff game he didn't play well against the Bucks. Yes. But overall, I mean, he's a really good player. We all know that. He's going to be coming back next year. People that want to trade him, like, let him go. I just don't understand it. I mean, 
Again, this could have just been a little blip in the road. He may have a really good season in 2021. We just don't know yet. And to release him or trade him would be bad because then the Saints would still have to pay him and he would have a high cap hit and all that stuff. It just wouldn't make sense. Now, if he has another bad year after next season, then we're going to start talking about it um, like, oh, what, what should we do? Should we you know, kind of negotiate a um, you know restructure where you get paid a little less? I mean, 61 pressures is still really solid. But, I mean, obviously, he shouldn't be getting paid at that top defensive end level then. And so you could definitely see him restructuring or something happening there, a trade. Um, I could definitely see something like that. But especially with what the Saints are doing with Trey Hendrickson, which is probably going to be letting him go because his contract is probably going to be very, very pricey for the team. I just don't see uh, the, the Saints letting Cameron Jordan go by any stretch of the imagination because if the, the Saints lost Jordan and Hendrickson in one season – it would be really bad to this, this defensive line. I mean, I know Nielsen's a good coach, and what they're doing there is great, but not that good to lose, to lose both your starting ends. So keep Jordan. He had a really good se- really good season. Not the elite season, but a really good season. And if he gives you something like this or a little better, I mean, hopefully he can go back up to that 10-sack season because he's not that old. I mean, you, you look at his age. I, I believe he's like 31 He's going to be 32 when next season starts. So it's not like he's old, old, old. But again, you are worried about if that regression is starting to hit him. And that, that's going to be something that is going to be a storyline in 2021. Where is Cameron Jordan at? Because I could see him going back to the 12-sack season and he's great. And he's that elite player who's in it for the All-Pro every year. Like, I mean, this could definitely have just been a blip in the road. And you, you look at... Even the best kind of sack leaders throughout their careers, they do have seasons of seven and a half, eight sacks from time to time because it's it's hard to keep up that 10 sack count every single season for six, seven years straight. So usually they have one or two just kind of bumps in the road there and still seven and a half sacks, 60 pressures is not bad. I mean, it's a really, really solid season. And, you know, you look at his even hurry, he had 44 hurries, which was a team high, so... He was getting there, just, again, not we're all converting until sacks, and I think he did kind of assist some to some other guys, like um, a uh, Trey Hendrickson or something like that, because um, David Onyemata, another guy, because, again, that's just kind of what I'm feeling here when you're looking at um, Cameron Jordan. I, I still thought he had a really good season, not elite. I can see him going to that elite, and I can see him kind of staying at that really good, maybe a little less. He's getting paid like an elite guy, so I think he's going to have to stay elite if the Saints kind of want to keep him, I think, past 2021. But I think you're going to give him the shot to at least try to stay at that elite level. And if he falls off and he tapers off even farther than really good, I think really good you still keep him. And, like, I mean, you'll definitely keep this, especially if you get a good play from a guy like Davenport or maybe someone you draft this year or acquire this season. But, again, I do think that when you look at Jordan, it's going to be interesting. Will he go back to that amazing level or will he just be really good will he get even worse that's something that you want to see in 2021 if the saints get i don't think the saints are getting rid of him i know the saints aren't getting rid of him i'll go that far to say it i think they do keep him and he ends up having a solid season in 2021 he's going to be a main cog to this team just like he was uh this season as well so that's just kind of where we are with cameron jordan moving over to trey hendrickson and this is where kind of the fun begins because hendrickson has his breakout season out of nowhere basically 13 and a half sacks. He did it on only 384 pass rushing snaps. So really, really efficient. He was able to get 50 pressures on 384 snaps, which is really good. I mean, yes, Cameron Jordan did have 11 more pressures, but he had a lot more snaps. I mean, Jordan did have 572 pass rushing snaps. So that's something to definitely look at 
when kind of judging these guys. And I think Trey Hendrickson's going to get paid a lot just because he was able to be so efficient here in 2020. And I think that does hold a lot of weight to it. When you do look at his 2019 sacks, uh, his stats, four and a half sacks that season, and he was definitely, I think, more of a third guy, maybe even a fourth guy um, in that in that season. But he just catapulted into really being that second guy or even first guy with 13 and a half sacks. And he just had a great season. And I think he gets paid. I think a lot of people are saying a million per sack, and that that would put him around 13 million AAV which does fall in line with a lot of projections and, you know, looking at other guys, that does make a lot of sense. I mean, I, I'm working on um, a, a projection model for these defensive ends kind of with free agency and kind of see how much these guys are going to cost, you know, per year. And Hendrickson's going to be right around that $13 million range, maybe a little less, but from 12 to 13 million, he should be right there. 11 to 13, 10 to 13, somewhere in that. I think that's where he ends up being for probably four years, four to five years. That's just kind of where he is. I mean, he's still a very young guy. He's only going into his age 26 season, and he just had a 13-and-a-half sack year, and that's something that is a guy that's just going to get paid. Like, I mean, that's just going to happen probably four or five years, and I would stay away from him if I'm the Saints just because the odds that he backs that up with another even 10-sack season to me is really low. And I, I feel like at this point... I wouldn't want to give a guy four to five years at twelve to thirteen million dollars a clip. Maybe even more than maybe even six. I mean, who knows? I mean, these free agency situations are very you know they're touch and go. We don't really know how it's going to end up going years wise. I, I think for sure he's going to be ten to thirteen million, and that's just kind of where he's going to settle years. I think he's going to be around five years, and that's someone that even if he's living at eight sacks a season, that's an overpay, and that's something that I don't think that the Saints could really use at this point because. I mean, you have to put your eggs in that Davenport bas- basket. At a certain point, you do, and I think now you have to. You gave up two first-round picks for him, and he's a guy that's going to have to go out and show that he's worth two first-rounders. And this year is the year for him to do it. We'll get him to him in just a very little bit. But that is the guy you replace Trey Hendrickson with, along with Carl Granders, who's continuing his progression, and then you're probably going to sign or draft someone else. I see the Saints signing someone small. I'm thinking like another Alex Okafor type, maybe Alex Okafor himself because he's out on the market. I would like to see the Saints get someone like him. I think Okafor is a perfect guy. You could probably give him a three-year, I mean, he signed a three-year, I believe, $18 million deal with the uh, Chiefs or something like that, but you can get someone like him. I think that's a really uh, good option. Maybe it was two years, uh, $18 million, or something like that. I-, I could see the Saints going after a guy like him Four to five sacks, we know he's going to get that. Good against the run. A solid guy just in case Davenport flops that you can kind of fill in there. And you're not worrying about him learning the offense or learning the defense, excuse me, like he will be a rookie. I, I just see that's an option, of a pretty cheap option as well. Four to five million, I think, cap hit going to this year, maybe less. And I, I do think that the Saints could end up doing that. Probably a less cap hit than four to five million, probably three. That's just kind of where I'm looking. And probably in that second and third year, you give him more money to kind of soften that hit because he's going to probably cost, I mean, a guy like Okafor will probably be like three years, 18 million, something like that. So to soften a cap hit, you kind of have, you backload the deal, stuff like that. We know the Saints are used to that, but th- that's who I get on this defensive end when you're looking at them to back up Davenport because you look at a guy like Davenport and again, I mean, it's just so frustrating because you see all the talent there, but it just hasn't happened for him for whatever reason. He did have 37 uh, pressures in only 287 pass rush snaps, so that was good. That That is good things when you're looking at 
uh, Davenport, but only two sacks. So he wasn't able to get the sacks. That's a problem. It's definitely a big problem. And again, I feel like he regressed this year. I mean, you saw all of the technique kind of go away. You saw a lot of power and just him not body control, not doing any of that stuff. It was a pure regression. And if you're him, that's got to be better here going into next season. It's something that's going to have to happen because we just know that Trey Hendrickson, just the idea of retaining him is just, to me, unless like his market isn't where I think it's going to be, I think that he's going to end up signing elsewhere for sure. And then you're going to need Davenport to step up. You're going to have to see that top 15 pick kind of blossom. And it's time for him to do that. It's time for him to have eight, 10 sacks. It just is. And especially if Cameron Jordan's only going to be a seven to eight sack guy, you need Davenport to play better even more. So that's just how important I think he will be going into next season. And that's something the Saints will have to get better at. And that's going to be another big storyline when looking at this defense. It's going to be, where is Davenport and how does he progress if he progresses all that stuff it's going to be very interesting to see and how will the Saints back that up and try to hedge their bets with that do they sign a guy like Alex Okafor do they get someone in the draft Um, that's something that I think will be fascinating to see especially because we saw the Saints really not have a lot of success with edge rushers in the draft over the last five years I mean just in the first two rounds I mean really the only two picks was Davenport and then it was Haholi Kikaha who played that edge linebacker role, and that, that didn't work out as he was just injured a lot, didn't reach his potential. But that's just kind of where the Saints were with the edge rushers. And again, I see them more going in the free agent route with Davenport. So now you're looking at your four guys as Jordan, Carl Granderson, who hopefully you're, you're thinking can back up um, that, that five-sack season with another five-sack season or something like that. That's kind of where you're hoping he can kind of back that up with and continue his progression and maybe you give him a little more to his plate, maybe, if if uh, Davenport doesn't work out. But he's a guy you want. So it's it's those three guys. And then also adding a guy like Alex Okafor, that's a solid group. Maybe you add um, a later round pick. I know the Saints don't have, like, the, those seven, six round picks. But maybe they have, like, a conditional six you use on a, an edge rusher. Maybe, like, a fourth round pick. You use your edge rusher. Third round pick, you get an edge rusher. That's something if I were the Saints, I would do. Maybe second round pick, you get an edge rusher. I just feel like, I mean, we don't really know where the Saints, I mean, to me, it's hard to really see where the Saints' needs are in the draft until after free agency, because you don't know what they're going to do, especially when you look at guys like, are they going to retain Quan? are they going to retain, are they going to retain, excuse me, guys like Janoris Jenkins, we just don't know yet, so it's really difficult to see where they'll go in the draft. I mean, if they retain all those guys on defense, you're thinking edge rusher is a perfect fit to go in the first round, but again, we don't know what that's going to be like, we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like, as we were talking about all the first half of the episode, we just don't know yet. So that's just kind of where it is and where this situation is. I, I, again, I just feel like getting Trey Hendrickson back would be really tough. And I think the Saints, as I've said throughout the last few episodes, relying on past first rounders and kind of, you know, rookies, past rookies that are now blossoming in, into their primes and their players and progressing guys like Adam Troutman, guys like Davenport, they're going to be guys like Cesar Ruiz, those are going to be kind of the impact players and the important players to refill this roster and retool this roster in 2021. You're going to need these draft these uh, draft guys that you picked. You're going to need them to kind of develop now and have them have big roles. You need Davenport to have a big year because you're not going to be able to re-sign Troy Hendrickson and re-sign uh, Marcus Williams. And you have a, really your fit at defensive end. You have your fit to replace Trey Hendrickson. It's the guy you gave up two first-rounders to get. That's Marcus Davenport. You don't have that 
with Marcus Williams, which is why I keep that secondary together at all costs. We've seen the Saints plug and play secondaries forever in the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era. You found the right fit here in 2020. Keep the group together. And it seems like you got the good coach to do that. So that's obviously really good with Chris Richard. So again, to me, that's all that's all good stuff. So I do let Hendrickson go. I, I think this 13-and-a-half sack season was a little of a lightning in the bottle. Only had 50 pressures, but only 384 snaps. Now, why was he only playing 384 snaps? That's another question. Where is his stanima? Where is that drive at? Which we know he's a high-motor player, but again, why wasn't he getting those, you know, uh, 900 snaps like Cameron Jordan was getting. He only had 586. You know, there's a reason for that. And we all know it has a lot to do with the Saints rotation. That's a great rotation they have there. But what would he do when he is in that Cameron Jordan position when he's getting doubled? That's something that I don't want to give someone big money to. And, and, that, and that's why I think someone will. Because teams are always hungry for pass rushers. And they see a 13.5 sack guy, they're like, boom, we'll pay him. And it happens a lot. I mean, you, you go back in time, guys like Nick Perry got paid big after having just one good season ended up retiring just two seasons into a five-year deal. So that obviously wasn't the best of deals. I mean, you just go out through. It happens a lot. I mean, guys like Vic Beasley get paid who, you know, again, they just have a few good seasons or one good season. They get paid a lot. And I think that's going to happen with Troy Hendrickson. And you see his variability and his kind of the consistency just isn't there with him yet. And I think someone will pay him for one good year. And that's, you know, to tie this back to kind of James Winston I feel like if he had one really solid year and he had just this high-quality year, Jameis Winston, I think someone would pay him, and it probably would be the Saints, maybe some other team. I think they'd give him that big quarterback money, but he hasn't had that yet. So that's why I don't think he's going to get that huge contract, that starter, that you know solidified starter contract, like that $20 million range. That's why I don't see him getting that. I see him getting a little less because if he hits, then he's setting himself up for a huge contract the following year. And, again, I feel like that's something, especially with the Saints, that he'd be willing to do because that's his best chance to win. But, anyways, that, that's it for the edge position. Let's go interior and look real quick at the Saints' interior defensive line. As I do think this is a really interesting position, too, because you do have David Onyemata, who you signed long-term, three-year deal, and that contract looks amazing for the Saints. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, is this the right move? Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, he had an amazing season in the interior. He played outstanding, and to me, that's only going to continue. He did have, you know, a high sack count. He was able to have 49 pressures, which is really good. And when you look at him, he had 49 pressures in in 428 snaps. So, again, he was right around that Trey Hendrickson level, and he was in the interior. So it just shows how good of a season he had, and I think he could definitely continue that. I know Underhill calls him the uh, Manitoba Mahler, and he's just that guy. We all know that Onyemata is going to come back up in here and have a good year. I like what I saw out of him this year, which makes Sheldon Rankins definitely replaceable and expendable to this team. And again, that's why I think the Saints ended up paying Onyemata, because they knew Rankins would leave the next year. And Rankins, all his potential just hasn't came together. So again, when you're looking at him... I think you'll let him go unless no team wants to pay him, but I do think a team will end up paying him. So that's why I feel like at this point, the Saints are probably going to end up letting Rankins walk and then ending up keeping a guy like David Onyemata. And, well, they're definitely going to keep a guy like David Onyemata, but end up kind of building that interior around him. And then you look at Malcolm Brown, who played that one-tech position. Interesting situation that he is in. I mean, he had a good season this year, and he's a really good one-tech, but for $7 million... He's, I think, a real cut candidate for this team because who knows? Like, I, I honestly feel like a guy like Malcolm Rhodes can do something similar 
or a guy like Shai Tuttle can do something similar here and do a good job. It'll be interesting to see how that all works out for the Saints, and would they really want to give up a solidified starter with Brown, but they do have a lot of depth there with the Roach and Tuttle-type guys. You could always draft somebody, and the Saints have been really good with finding those undrafted or late-round picks in the interior. You could sign someone else for a lot less. Like That's all possible, so that's just kind of where it was here in this interior and the Saints have a lot of options, but it's looking like in this whole defensive line, if your four starters were Jordan, Hendrickson, um, Onyemata, and then also uh, Brown, and obviously the Saints have a lot more guys in that rotation, but if you're four primary starters, two of them are leaving, or possibly leaving. That's something that is interesting to talk about, how the Saints would fill that role, and I think they both may be either through the draft or just in internally. And maybe the Saints go out and fill with types of veteran players like Alex Okafor. I think he could be a really nice fit to this team. I think a really nice fit um, to kind of bring him in here. And you know, he can do your four or five sacks and be reliable, good against the run. I think that's a good player the Saints they can bring in to hedge their bets with Marcus Davenport. And on the interior, I mean, I could see them keeping Malcolm Brown. Maybe they restructure him and extend him. I could see something like that. But I don't think he stays on this team for $7 million. I mean, he's not... Off, you know, he's not like has a lot of guaranteed money, so the Saints can cut him and get like out of the seven million, get like six six back. So again, at that point, you're not giving a lot of dead money, and again, I feel like you get a lot of then six million to spend at that position. Because how I always look at cuts and restructures is like how much money. I mean, especially cuts, because I think that's the most important things. Like with that six million, can you bring in a better player than Malcolm Brown? I think that's really possible, and you could actually do that. That's one position where I do that. And uh, I, I feel like that's like when you look at cuts, you know, by cutting a player, can you actually bring in a better player? That's why you cut someone. Because if you can't do that, why would you cut the current player you have on your roster? So that's going to be all interesting to look at and see. I, I think that's kind of when you look at these cuts, that may be actually the, the biggest cut candidate for the Saints is Malcolm Brown. But we'll see. And he's been so good over the last few years and really solidified that one tech, been great against the run. And you saw a difference once he came back because he was hurt for, I believe, a game or two. And then he came back. And he was just outstanding. I think it was two games. And then he came back, and the run defense in that area was like the Eagles game. And the Chiefs game wasn't so good, a little suspect. He came back, and then it was all really good again. Like That, that type of stuff that he really doesn't get credit for, it could be him. And, and that's someone that you may not want to leave. That's why you may want to restructure. But at $7 million, I don't see him on this team at $7 million. Maybe at $4 million, maybe at $5 million. We'll see where he ends up. Uh, that's an interesting one. Maybe he ends up not getting uh, cut, and the Saints keep him at $7 million. But this cap situation, you know, it seems like the cap's going to be around 180, 181 right now, which means the Saints are going to be like 75 over. And the Saints can get it done and have like 15 million to spend. Um, so, so that's something that I think they can do without losing major pieces. Like this is keeping everybody and keeping basically everybody. And I mean, the one guys you'd be giving up would be a Malcolm Brown type, but you're keeping all your key cogs in there. You're extending Ramchek, you're extending Lattimore. 15 million to spend. I mean, I guess at this, you know, if you're talking about cutting. Brown, maybe you only could have $10 million to spend and keep Brown. So you, you have a lot of options. The Saints do have options. A lot of people think, oh, they have to purge the roster. I think they could possibly do that. I know Underhill was talking about, like, yeah, that's an option, but I don't see them going towards that option. Like, they can bring everybody back, bring this team back into contention, and try to win again in 2021 with a new quarterback. They can definitely do that, I think, for sure. And really, the only, you know, I think reason they, they can't do that is somehow they don't find the quarterback they love, and maybe they feel like at that point, let's just blow it up. But I don't think they do that because I think they like, even though I think they probably like Winston more, I think they like Taysom Hill to come up in here and compete and win games, win 10 games with this current team. Like, they will do anything to compete. I do think Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis will do that. 
and that's how this team ends up. So we covered a lot. I know we're 43 minutes in here recording. We covered a lot of stuff here in this episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. But I think with all that said, it is time to wrap up this podcast. If you like what we're doing here at the Who Dat Discussion, you should definitely follow us on all of our social media platforms. So that means on Twitter, you can follow us at the Who Dat This. Or on Instagram, you can follow us at Who Dat Discussion. You could also listen to the Who Dat Discussion wherever you get all your other podcasts. That means iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. We are on all of those sites. And I definitely want to hear what you guys have to say. This Winston discussion, I think, is really important. That's why I spent a lot of time on it. What do you guys think? Who do you think needs each other more? Do you think the Saints need Winston more or Winston needs the Saints more? I think that's a fascinating discussion. I would definitely love to hear what you guys have to say about that. I think I'm leaning towards Winston needing the Saints because I do think the Saints can bring in uh, Teddy Bridgewater. They can keep a taste of mail, and they can win 10 to 11 games. And Winston, I think they'd be around an 11-win team as well. But I think Winston, and I think Taysom Hill also to a certain extent, he has the potential, both those guys, more Winston, I think he's closer to it, to win a Super Bowl. And to actually have that star power, have that arm strength, have that it factor to win a Super Bowl. And when looking at Teddy Bridgewater, I'm not so sure he has that. Winston, it's definitely in there somewhere. You just have to kind of bring it out of him. And I think Sean Payton's the the best uh, coach to do that. And when you're looking at Winston and... You know, if he would sign with the Saints and he ends up going far in the playoffs, that's a huge con- He's going to have a huge contract if that would ever happen. And it would probably be with the Saints. So that, that's just kind of what he. It's like if I'm Winston, like, would I want three more million? Especially after, let's say, he gave up $10 million last year to start with the Jaguars. Like, let's say that he could have signed a one year, $10 million deal to start for the Jaguars. And then, you know, he ends up going to the Saints for $1 million. Maybe he could have got more out of them. I know that he wasn't happy, and he ended up changing his agents and all that stuff. But even if he would have got $5 million to start with the Saints, um, or not start, to be a bench player with the Saints, would he have taken $5 million more or $10 million more to, you know, start? I mean, that to me is a little um, just iffy. Like, what do other teams view Jameis Winston as? Because, I mean, if someone would give him $10 million to start and he signs a $1 million deal with the Saints... Now, why this year would he now actually have a chance to start with the Saints? And then, you know, I'd say it's even closer. Let's say it's only $3 million and not $9 million. Like, why wouldn't he maybe take a little of a pay cut to stay with the Saints? And, you know, if he takes a little of a pay cut, that makes the team better around him, which sets him up for his long-term deal better. All that stuff, I think, just makes too much sense. And, I mean, we'll see what happens. Look, if the Colts go out there want to spend the money to get Jameis Winston, they can outbid the Saints. They really could. So can the Patriots. Um, do any of those teams do that? I don't think they do. And then at that point, I think if I'm Jameis Winston, I wouldn't want to go to the Bears. I wouldn't want to go to a team like the Lions. I wouldn't want to do that. I mean, it just makes no sense because they're not a good team and they're not going to give him a huge con- They're not going to give him a three-year deal. They just won't, in my opinion. So, I mean, again, I, I feel like at that point, where where is he at? Like, even if like a team gave him $20 million over like two, let's say two-year, $40 million deal, would he want to do that or go to the Saints for, let's say, a one-year $15 million deal, a $12 million deal, like, where would he go? That's all interesting. Maybe the Saints would give him an option to come back, but it's not guaranteed until, like, the like into, like into the, the league year or something like that. Who knows? Really, who really knows what's going to happen? It's going to be interesting. But in my opinion, my final prediction on this Winston thing, because I don't want to talk about it really every episode, but I do want to talk about it. My prediction with Winston is I think he ends up coming to the Saints back one to two years, I, I think in that $12 million range. I actually did, um, you know, I was talking about, I did like that model, prediction model for the defensive ends, and it came out, uh, Hendrickson was at like 12 to 13 million. 
Well, Winston was actually only at like nine million, nine to ten million. That's where Winston was. And I, I think he actually ends up getting more of that because of the intrigue and the talent that's there. But over, you know, based on his 2019, 2018 sacks, he came in around nine to ten million. I think he actually ends up getting more than that. I think probably like twelve million. I think that's kind of where he's going to be, 10 to 12 million, 10 to 15, probably somewhere in that range. So you want to split it at 12 million. I think that's fine. Um, and if I'm the Saints, I give him to one to two year deal. Maybe you give him one year with the option to bring him back in the second. But I don't think he'd do that. Like, why would he want to come back to the second? Because you know the Saints, the only reason they'd pick up that option is if he's really good. And he's, you know, shows that he's a franchise starter type player. And at that point, why would I want to come back when I can get a huge deal from you guys or another team? Like, to me, that just doesn't make much sense. I think a team can outbid him, but I don't know how other teams feel. I think the Colts could end up giving him a big deal. I think the Patriots could. And I, I think the Bears could too, but multiple years, I don't think the Bears, especially with their quarterback situation, I don't think they're going to give him, I think his leech is going to be one year. Um, that's just kind of how I feel. And then I think I see the Colts possibly giving him maybe a longer type deal if they really feel like he's the guy and he's has all that potential. So that, that's a team I think could definitely go out and get Winston and pry him away from the Saints for sure. Same with the Patriots, but if I was Winston, like, first of all, Bill Belichick doesn't overpay for anybody. So he's not going to – he's going to try to probably lowball Winston, to be honest. That's just how Bill Belichick is. Um, even with Brady, they were – you know, Brady was not getting paid that much. I mean, I think it was like $15 million for most of that run with the Patriots. So it's not like he got paid big money. So I, I don't think he's going to offer Winston big money unless – Belichick was a hundred percent, a million percent sure that Winston was their guy, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I, I think Winston ends up coming back around twelve million and gets a chance and gets the, like the inside track to start with the Saints. And then if he has a good season and is able to again have um, you know win eleven games, have a successful season, I could see them then getting a big contract from the Saints and being the franchise guy. I do think that's Winston's career track. And again, I just feel like it doesn't make much sense because I just don't see Winston making, you know, getting like a three year, $80 million deal or three year, $70 million deal, even like a Bridgewater one, because at least you saw Bridgewater with those five games. And I think Winston has more intrigue and I think he has more potential, but I don't know if teams feel like they saw enough in Winston to give him that $60 million contract, especially in a, you know, a COVID off season where the cap is sunk basically and it's only 180 million, like that's going to affect teams too. And we all know that to make teams better, like they're not going to be able to overpay for Winston. And um, like, I mean, maybe he's a guy that you have to get if you're the Saints or the Colts, but I just don't see for either of those teams, like he's the must get guy um, at the quarterback position right now, because there are other options that are similar to him, I think for both of these teams, but it will be interesting to see how it all works out. I, I think Wentz is going to end up going to the Colts. I think that's a, a fit that kind of makes sense, and I feel like Frank Reich probably feels like he can fix Wentz in a way. And then the Patriots, I mean, I feel like Wentz ends up going to the Saints, and they end up getting a guy like Jacoby Brissett. I think that's kind of the natural fit there. He played for the Patriots already, and then the Patriots also then get their future quarterback in the draft. That's just kind of how I think that's going to go. Maybe a Garoppolo reunion, which then would open the door. Winston maybe going out west to the 49ers. going to be a lot of moving pieces. We all know it. But that's just kind of where I'm thinking with this Winston situation is going to be i know we went over and sorry about that but i want to get all the information about winston out because next episode we'll dive into the linebackers probably less winston talk unless there's big news but i just wanted to get some interesting things about winston and um what he's going to be doing here in this offseason kind of setting the scene for his decision so hope you guys enjoyed the show 
But I think with all that said, I want to say thank you guys for listening. Turn it loose. And who dat?